Welcome to the Mad Trio Podcast. This week, we have the California Pariah, Jonathan Charney, James, the Fat Man, Stevens, Ryan, who the fuck is that, Preston, and Rob, the old guy. The old guy, Rob Charney. That's wow. Rob Charney. Watch for the Rob Charney Show, because I don't ever get a plug on this damn show. I, I, we're having technical <laughs> and, issues. And yeah, I we're having technical issues. I can't get my drops put in place. The guy that handles the board is a real asshole. <laughs> well, like father, like son. Um, so, and the most interesting news is look like, looks like the world of cinema is taking a major hit during COVID cinema world confirms closure of all regal cinemas in the United States. The yeah. la- and it's because oh, they actually confirmed it. I they just confirmed. saw a couple of days ago that they were like, like, Oh, this is like the move. <clears throat> considering right and, the, and today they came out and so did it's it. official so we went to the movie theaters uh four or five days ago went to the regal theaters and they might as well close because there just isn't anybody there i mean you know we're sitting in the you know the big movie theater and there was like four people so and, wow. so yeah. a little over was a month on a weekend uh ooh, good point uh i think it was a thursday so that's not a big day anyway but even still i was talking to a couple of the employees there, and they said it's just, you know, people just are not coming. A little oh. over a month ago, after theaters reopened to the public, every Regal Cinema location in the United States is shutting its doors once again. The returns so far have been promising, as people haven't embraced a return to the theaters, and unlikely, well, until there's more uh, definitive solution to the coronavirus. Uh, one of the reasons I heard they're doing this is because the James Bond has been postponed, which also the Dune remake has been pushed back till next year. Uh, sometime uh, well, Warner well, Brothers <clears throat> moving to Dennis Denise Villeneuve's Dune to October 2021, so that's a full year um, oh. being hold, uh, held back. <laughs> well, maybe they're going to try to work on the effects a little bit more because... Well, you know what's kind of interesting, and I might see as a, uh, I mean, it's almost starting to feel like, you know, and and, and pardon the analogy, I know that it's not analogous, but it it, it feels like that war-torn Poland, you know, kind of outbreak of World War II and just, I don't know if anybody, you guys have ever seen that movie, uh, To Be or Not To Be. We did Uh, it in Real Flix Reviews, dude. Oh, did we? Okay. This is what you Um, get for never doing your fucking homework. Dude, we did like 400 of those things. Yeah, I remember every movie we've done. As soon as you just say, oh, we did. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I remember doing it. All right, that. all right. Move along. Well, I'm sure it was my pick anyway. I'd seen that movie a hundred times. In any case, it, it, it feels like this, uh, you know, crazy time where I no one was really allowed to go to these places. If it was, that's a great pick. Um, but anyway, I was going to say... Uh, I know. I think I, I'm going to start to see like this artifact where like a lot of these little art house movie theaters, the independent theaters are probably going to be the only ones really sustaining after a while because they're the only ones that actually have any sort of a catalog of movies to play. You know, a lot of those independent art houses, they sort of either have a personal collection or access to old movies. Your average chain movie theater, they don't have the new movies coming out. So they can't bank off of this this endless cycle of new movies. Everyone's pushing off their stuff. So they can't just mothball their theater and say, okay, we're just going to throw a chain around the door and then open when it when it comes back. It just 
it, it's, it's unsustainable in the meantime. Um, so does this mean that I might be right when theaters start becoming a boutique experience and big theaters like... Okay, no, you're not going to be right, you maniac, because you've been bringing this shit up for fucking years and it took a plague for it to happen. Well, here's here's the, here's the honest thing. There's been a number of articles. Wait, so John's the one behind it all. So here's yeah. the interesting thing. Yeah, he just thing. wanted to be right about theaters closing eventually. So I've... He's sick bastard. Have any of you guys ever gone to a boutique theater? I mean... Yeah, oh, sure, I got a few of them around no, here. Well, 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 well I mean, I have. I'm just trying to make sure before this... Jonathan comes back with his theory. I want to know: Did you have you Ryan been just, just have you been no one? Ryan just doesn't like the sticky floors. No, I haven't. Uh huh. There's oh, no man, they I know, have those the were holding because the 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 only one near <laughs> near us is, that the is it, no boutique. The only one really isn't down is downtown Sac. Okay, so now let's get yeah, a definition of what you what? call boutique art house theaters. All right, okay. so you're talking about the old. The single crest. screen. The Crest Theater is uh, the only one I'm right, aware well, of. Well, that, that's a little different because I look at boutique theaters as, other than just your standard everyday normal fare, like the ones that serve meals during the movie and alcohol during are the those, movie. And those are, are those good. open? No, I, I was very I much thinking about the, the art house movie theaters um, because they're, they it's, don't have the new movies coming out every week. Right. They can't. Well, screen all of them so, so we're talking about the places that, to the old stuff the, the guy you know all, all the theaters that do the rocket horror picture yeah. show type thing right yeah they, exactly okay. because they have that film <clears throat> in the in the back somewhere right you know so they can they actually have movies to play um you know if people don't know movie theaters do not own the movies outright the, the studios send out prints of the of the reels to movie theaters and they basically make their rounds like everybody gets a print but you're giving them back like you don't get to keep that shit Reels? Well, I mean, I, I, what is the, you been talking about the 1980s? Nobody's used reels. I mean, in I years. guess they, they, <laughs> they, they do, uh, uh, do it digitally nowadays. Mostly. Yeah. Um, but no, I bet they, I bet a number of those, those art house theaters, whatever you want, boutique, whatever you well, call the them, probably have stored. Well, like the art house yeah. do. And when the hateful eight came out, I actually missed my chance. Um, cause Quentin Tarantino did it in 70 millimeter, which is a very rare film. And I missed a chance to see one, I think it was in San Francisco. And they were doing actual real, they were, they were actually buying, uh, they bought up all the ones they could find in the 70 millimeter projectors and were shipping around, shipping them around the country with the film because nobody has them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think the dinner and a movie things are going to stay around because if nobody's releasing movies... It's going to be a problem. Right. Uh, unless, uh, you're absolutely right. Un- unless they do. However, if they were doing like dinner and a movie and you could see like Ben-Hur, you could see some of these major uh, cinematic classics, I'd do it. They, they may very Any well. Any shrink the kids? They may very well go to <laughs> cinematic movies that are worth seeing. And Because um, one of my favorite experiences, I took my wife to see um, oh. The Ten Commandments. Mm. when it was in our local theater for one of those, uh, you know, it's like a Thursday night special, see an old movie. Um, yeah. And it's, it was on my one of like the bucket list at some point in time to see it in the big screen. So oh. I, I would see, I want, I'd love to see the original Tron in, in, in theater. So there are some movies I'd love to see in the, in back in the big screen. You know, talking about Honey, I Shrunk, shrunk the Kids, you heard about Rick Moranis. Yeah, some dude hit him. I did. Yeah, getting attacked yeah. just out of nowhere. In New York City. Welcome to living in New York City. 
You know, they, 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 I'm surprised anybody even recognized him, to be honest. What do you mean somebody hit him like somebody punched, punched him? Punched him, yeah. sucker punched yeah. him. From yeah. behind. Yep. Yeah. Who? Yeah. That's a, he's a fucking national treasure. Why, I know. Why did you hit Rick Moranis? You know, can, you, it, it, can you believe? And people are outraged asshole. over it. And it's, it doesn't yeah. make New York City look very good. And he's out with his mask on his face and a hat on his head, walking in New York, and he gets sucker punched. In all honesty, I bet the person didn't know who he was. Because realistically, he's been out of, I think the last movie I remember him doing was like, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid or Honey, I Shrunk Ourselves. May have been. You know, so he's been out of the cinema for at least sometime in the 2000s. So I bet the person yeah. just thought he was, you know, waylaying some random white dude. Maybe. Because why would you? Because hitting somebody as beloved as Rick Moranis is not is is not a good thing. I, yeah, because I've never well heard hitting that. anybody is not a good thing. But now you got a guy that's loved by so many people that grew up with you know with that with those shows that group, and uh, you know he gets poor, poor guy gets sucker punched. It makes you feel like well hell if he does anybody could. Doesn't look good for New York. Well, nobody's ever said anything bad about Rick Moranis. Like a lot of these stars, you hear people say iffy, iffy things about. But there's a handful of celebrities who the only thing you've ever heard is the dude or that's this guy's a really nice person. Yeah. Well, and so it seems uh, like it. I've never heard anything bad about him, so I'm I'm kind of surprised that you know if it was Woody Allen, then I'd probably understand it. It it would have been his. (laughs) It would have been his daughter. I mean, excuse me, his wife. I'll be honest. I've I've wanted to punch Woody Allen for a very long, very very long time. Yeah, <laughs> very well, long time. <laughs> I, that, that was you know that was a joke just for us. I we shouldn't be that. You know. What the hell? Yeah. I mean, I could see him getting punched. He I probably has him. been punched a he, lot. He may have been. He if anybody deserves it, but because he's a big New Yorker, <laughs> is the only reason I brought that up too. So I'm still surprised somebody hit him. I mean, of all the people to like randomly hit New York, you somehow hit a guy who's a, I would well, say man, he's, a, dudes, he's a minor celebrity up. now. He's my, he, he's, he's, he's basically my age. And you know, he's almost 68 years old. This poor guy gets sucker punched. He's only five, six. He's not a big man. He's aged really well though. So, Oh my God. Poor guy. Oh my yeah, God. He just popped in on a, on a commercial for, um, uh, something Ryan Reynolds is, is promoting. I think it's like some new cheap phone service or something like that. But, uh, yeah, he, he popped in for, for like a, like a quick advertisement kind of, kind of deal. And it was just like, Oh, Hey, everybody look at Rick Moranis, you know? <coughs> oh, um, yeah. But it just kind of reminded me of him a couple of weeks back. And I'm like, Oh yeah, man, there's, there's a guy who kind of bowed out of the, of the spotlight just of his own volition. Well, I think know? he did and, it cause uh, his wife died and he went to take care of his kids. Yeah, I think that's what it was. It was, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Like something like amazing, like you would, some sort of Hollywood celebrity would give up everything to take care of his kids. The first time I heard that, if that's the truly, I was like, dude, I like this guy. I like him even more. So question, when you think of Vin Diesel, what type of actor do you think he is? So I want you, I want you guys to keep you that in mind. don't really want that. Well, keep more one dimensional in a wall. Well, keep that in mind while I read this. Vin Diesel is the kind of actor you hire when you want a very specific kind of performance. The Fast and the Furious star has become synonymous with a certain type of endearing meathead action hero. (laughs) This is not to say he can't do something that's occasionally surprising, but for the most part, he has found his niche and is sticking to it. I I don't think he has a choice in that. And a new rumor makes it sound like he might be playing one of the meatiest heads of the entire action genre. 
Duke Nukem. <laughs> well, why not? It's a fine role for him. Which is hilarious. But didn't Duke Nukem have hair? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, and, a, and a lot of naked chicks. Like, a lot. <laughs> They'll order him up some plugs, and by the time they... It's filming. He'll have air. So Vin, uh, Vin Diesel's <laughs> allegedly in the running to play the video game action parody character Duke Nukem. We just got done reporting that John Cena might be in the rumor running for the same role. I'd better. I'd go with Cena. <sighs> yeah, I would absolutely <laughs> go with Cena. I, could I would see, watch that movie right now. Yeah, I could see Cena in the role. I don't. That's true. If, if, because yeah. I think he could, for one, he's got the perfect hair. I can see him chomping on that half a cigar the whole damn movie. Yeah. And 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 do it saying all the same dumb lines and everything. Um, I yeah. see Vin Diesel is more of like a broody Batman-y and nowhere near do I want this guy ever to get near a Batman costume, but that much more of a grumbly, grumpy, broody type. I could see him being Batmite. Um, so that, well, see, uh, I would really be disappointed if he didn't do a You Can't See Me as Dude Nukem. <laughs> well, considering, yeah, no it, considering it's a giant parody... I could see it. I was going to say, did you ever guys see like bits and pieces? What know. is it? I Bloodshot? Just, uh, okay. huh? Vin Diesel did the movie Bloodshot. So I've seen bits and pieces of it. I, I actually have, it. I have no idea if it's actually out, but I've seen bits and pieces of it. Um, but it's an awful movie. So I was. Well, did you watch the Riddick group? See, that's what Riddick. I was going to say. I, I remember Pitch Black, yeah. you know, and, and that movie was dope. Well, here's the thing that was written by. That was for him, by him. If there was another guy who didn't know how, you well, know. he needs a lot of help. <laughs> because the first, the first Pitch Black was amazing. I really like the second one. <clears throat> and the third one was oh. as, as close as you can get to a, a, a movie abortion as you can Earth. get. Actually, I would say, yeah, it's about on that level, the battlefield earth, a little bit better, yeah. even with Dave Batista doing a really crappy job. He was just job. trying to suck every penny he could out of that series and he well he mortgaged his house he actually put up a good deal of money on his own and one of the and i think in order to one of the fast and furious movies i think to do yeah he's the producer of the uh what was it the the last one like was i think it was tokyo drift i i heard a rumor that in order for him like for them for him to do a uh, a little bit of a, a snapshot in the movie towards the end they had to give him the rights to uh pitch black to that oh. whole entire character. Hmm. Okay. Um, so, oh, I, I did want to say something that I, I thought was, and this is a total subject change. So do you guys know anything about the, in Europe, that was the Catholic Protestant war? Um, the what? Yeah, like all of Ireland did war forever. Well, yeah. Oh, so, the so, war. So, okay. Yes. Yeah, so basically what it was, is it was a, it was a fight between the Catholics and the Protestants and if you were caught, the reason in, there's a Northern Ireland and an Ireland, well, like yeah, like back in back in the day, um, Sherman set the wayback machine. So what they would do is people would actually hide Catholics in their houses and and stuff. This kind of vaguely, I was reading about it a couple of days ago, and it kind of reminds me of where the Republican Democrat thing is going. Not to such an extreme, but pretty damn near close. I was wondering what you guys thought. I mean, it's kind of a loose comparison. Not as many people have died. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, I don't think you're ever going to get a bloody Sunday out of it, you know. Yeah. You, you never know. <laughs> it may be coming up. Especially if you listen to the regular news media. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a lot aside from, from religion that, that, you know, 
might launch America into some weird situation. I really doubt we're going to get to some, you know, only because I'm not a, a, I, I can't, I can't go that far on the thought. It's, it's one of those things in the back of my mind. Oh, it might be like a civil war. Like, I really doubt it because that's a pretty extreme measure. And I think before we get there, everyone's going to realize like, okay, wait, what are we doing? You know, um, but it wouldn't be the first time. You know, the cooler had a prevailed. lot of faith in the humanity. Yeah, I was you know s- what? I, I've How got did- a lot of faith in people not wanting to uproot their incredibly easy lives. So what you're missing one of James's famous quote that I've been butchering for 20 years. Never underestimate the power of stupid people. Oh, God. <laughs> you really can't say it right, can I've you? I've been butchering it. I've been doing it on purpose all this year. And I'm still... Then how do you say it properly? I'm not telling you because I don't want to say it properly. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So, so basically, you know, I, I just... I, I think people are set upon destroying themselves, personally. It's human nature. I think a small portion of them are, are set against destroying themselves, but I think when it really comes down to it, there's not a lot of people that are, well, for one, we don't have uh, in this country anymore these defined lines of um, this is the left and this is the right. They're, they're all intermingled with each other. You might have a couple of states that can, you know, put a line in the sand and say, if we see any, you know, such and such come this way, but we, we, it's not going to be the North versus the South again. You know, it's not like everybody that thinks one way is all in one area of the country. Are you saying the South will not rise again? I'm saying that there's too many, you know, whatever <laughs> your, whatever the, the South thinks it is, there's too many of the other people amongst them. I think it's going to be battle royale style. I think everybody, it's going to be a one giant melee because I know, I know people, one particular woman who is, Politically, as far left of me as you can get without being Pol Pot. And her and I routinely butt heads over, like, little things. So I'm not saying it's impossible or possible, but I don't know. I, I think we're gonna, I, something's <clears throat> going to have to happen on the party I, side. I would, I would <laughs> this may sound a little funny to say, but if, if, you, if there was a civil war, I guess that's what you're, you're kind of, Pointing at right, we're, or, we're talking or about some yeah. because or, we finally have come to a you know uh, somehow the country has finally come to a breaking point, an actual civil war comes out. Who knew it'd be over pokey? I think the the leftist elite have to remember that the <laughs> right, extreme right, somewhat right, even the mid right are all armed. What what and was that stat? Most next? of the left uber liberals. What do they want? They want unarmed, and they don't own guns, and, and, and <laughs> they don't stand a chance. My opinion, I mean, it would be not, it wouldn't be good. What was that stat that I, I saw a number of years ago that says the state of Wisconsin, if you compared to an army, would be the world's largest standing army because of all the firearms owned or something like that? Well, Possibly, look, even if the liberals, I mean, uh, you know, the, the extreme liberal side had uh, uh, the same amount of weapons, their goal is it's not just the left citizens versus the right citizens. It's going to, one of those sides is going to be against the government as, as a whole and the, the extreme right. left. And I literally only mean the extreme left. Like there's a lot of very reasonable liberals that are just willing to have a conversation and then, you know, don't agree with certain Republican philosophy, let's say. 
but the extreme left would be going against the United States government in an overthrow sort of like demolish the, the status quo kind of thing. Um, which one, you've got to win that hearts and minds before you can, you know, route boot and rally and start storming the gates. So you have the United States military against you. Yeah. You might have a lot of like, like, like liberal sided people who maybe leave the military um, and, and don't want to fight in that war. Somebody's having an emergency. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, you're not going to have uh, the 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 South or the whatever will not have to bear arms so, because you know drones. So here's the thing that I I was told, and I've been told this by multiple members of the military, that if there's a fight, there's a highly there's a, a very likely ch- chance that the military is going to go the conservative side, and I've heard this from a number of uh, uh, people who are in the military who are like, oh yeah, we're all just going to say by Democrats. And that may not be that, that that's a broad brush stroke, but I've heard it from enough people that. So, so there is, seems to be a disparity in, in, in military between the national guard and the standing military. And you got to remember the governors control the national guard up until a point. So, well, yeah, but still they can call them in. And so usually the national guard guys, and I'm not, discounting your service and, and all of that. Thank you. But, you know, they're weekend warriors, basically. They'll right? tell you that, too. And, and they admit it as well, versus the standing army and a whole bit. So there is a big division between the two. Uh, there's a thing called Posse Comitatus where basically the, the, the government cannot call our standing military to come in and intercede. The only thing they have is the National Guard. So, Can't you pause that? that? Isn't there some sort of like like emergency or, or some? Uh, you know, probably. But oh. then we're back to where you were talking about would would the generals, would the commanding officers, all the way down the rank, would they actually obey those orders? Because remember, they yeah. they have a choice to say, "Sorry, I believe that's an illegal <laughs> order." Because you know we're we're not going to have a repeat of what what the Nazis did. Yeah. And they said, "Hey, you know, I was just taking you know following orders, and I'll I'll kill as many people as." of my own people as I can. So that's the whole idea behind, you know, the military saying, look, that's an illegal order and we're not going to do it. And there's a lot of feeling that, that they would not, they would not go after our own citizens. So there's a limit as to what would go on. Yeah, no, I I, uh, agree. Not to mention, look, I mean, look, all said and done. I, I agree with the, the founding principles of the, of the country. Um, and, agree that it's uh, a, a about as good a system as you can get with, with an imperfect people, you know, with, with it still being run by, by right. people. Um, so whatever side is in the interest of keeping that as the fundamentals and, and trying to move forward and, and uh, trying to get it right where we got it wrong, but within the system, that's the side I'm on. So I I think um, the only it, where we still have a country at the end. The, yeah. The only thing that I'm I'm wondering, and I said this last week or the week before, I don't remember everything kind of blends in, is the fact I don't think people realize how good their lives are, even in the middle of having, like, say, racism issue and and uh, and anti-gay and anti-this, we're still better off than they were a hundred years ago or fifty years ago. And I think the biggest issue is people don't realize that and their lives are so cushed. They're like, okay, we need to upthrow the system. And it's like, well, look at Venezuela. 
look at the Middle East. You, you look at all these places that are having these hardcore um, revolutions and nobody's life is safe. Nobody's life is comfortable. And I, I, I think we're at the point where nobody realizes that our system hangs on the balance of one thing. Are all our good faith that our neighbor's going to do the same thing? Or in theory has the, you know, we're Americans, we're going to do its best. That's why traffic laws work. Because we all decide to follow the rules. We voluntarily follow the rules. So I, I'm hoping that everybody's going to realize, hey, if we fuck up too bad, you know, something's going to take, there's going to be a power vacuum, and it may be Johnny Law, it may be the, the, the next big uh, drug lord. And I, I don't think anybody realizes that. And that's my biggest yeah, well, concern. That's, yeah, that's the thing is that, that and that, that power vacuum might suck in, you know, like any one of our enemy countries who, who's capitalizing yeah. on an opportunity. Um, and I'm, and I'm not like the, the crazy, you know, like, like, oh my God, we got to prepare for being invaded by China now. Like, but it's just one of those things that, that people aren't thinking about when, when they're like, like calling for a revolution, you know? <laughs> no, this is, this is something I did say. I'm pretty sure it was last week, how things take time, changing society always to do, to change society. You have to change it slowly. Like if you, my, th- my example was the acceptance of um, homosexuals in society. Like it was a 10 year, it was 10 year change, which is pretty fast in society. And usually anything faster than like say 10 or 20 years or or 30 years generally causes big problems. I think that's one of the reasons why the sixties is such a great example of you had a big change really fast. It needed to happen. But if you take a look what happened during freedom summer and the freedom riders, some of these people lost their lives for it. And, yeah. and I think that's something people don't realize is society doesn't change overnight. And when you change a society overnight, you get a lot of feedback. You get a lot, you know, you get a lot of people going, no. And I, that's one of the reasons why you hear all these people, we need to do this now. It's like, hey, hold on. <laughs> it may suck, but you're going to, it's going to be better for everybody, especially your side. If you go a little slower, it's not fair, not fair at all. I wonder I if <clears throat> I wonder. Yeah, if, well, that's that's why I, I like the system. Again, not a, not a, one would call a, a, a perfect system because stupidity, but it's like kind of the best <clears throat> we've got to work with. It's kind of kind of tried and tested. It's, if anything, we have to get better at at. at okay. Hey Ryan, are you there? You cut out, man. Hello. Oh, I'm here. Okay, you you cut out. Saying if anything, we got to get better at not fucking up the system. You know what I mean? Not change the yeah. system. You know, I I, I wonder if. <clears throat> so we we were truly unprepared, I believe, for COVID nineteen. Yeah, I wonder if if it had had been even a stronger strain or virulent strain. I wonder what would have happened socially to the whole country because everybody's still whining and sniveling about, you know, we still have the the deniers and the doubters and and all that going on there. And now we have Trump who who caught it, and uh, so that you know, there's some people that maybe they might change their opinions about things. But I wonder, I, I worry about what would have happened had it been even a stronger strain. Well, do you think it would have been? Because my thought. It would have been like, it'd either be like 9-11 when you had this like 
Bill and Ted's esque thing where it was universal harmony f- for about a hiccup. Yeah, you know what was though the the feeling on uh, of nine eleven was for the first time that I can remember, and I'm going back a ways more than you guys that it really felt like the country came together for it was a short period of time and it, it is a hiccup in history, but there was a feeling of everybody kind of on the same page for once. Well, I remember being in church at the time and all of a sudden there were, I, you know, I never saw that many people in that small church ever. So I, I totally see it. The thing where I think this is different is humanity as a whole can, can beat any challenge when we can gather. I still believe what my old pastor Bill Search once said is we are born with a community size whole. I think the problem with any virus and COVID is our strength is the one thing we can't use. We as a people need other people. And I think that's the issue, is we cannot rally easily unless you're a hardcore well, protester, the, apparently. The, the, the other problem also is that there's such a discrepancy in, I, want, I don't want to necessarily say income, but in status and all that, between those that of us that could hunker down and stay within our home and do what we want and <clears throat> still make a living and still pay the bills and still put food on the table versus those that, oh, my God, I mean, you know, all the gig workers, all the restaurant workers, all the movie theater people, uh, all, you know, all these people, just nothing. I mean, and, and well, how, are, how are they surviving, right? And we can't even get our own Congress and the next bill, the, the next stimulus checks to get some money out to these folks. And, you know, you got to feel for them. I mean, I sure do. I feel really bad. And, it, and it's like, so you have this disparity between those of us that were able to hunker down and not have an effect. And those of us that were, I got to work. I've got to do something. I don't have any money. I can't stay at home. So I, I have a question. And I don't know if this is going to fit our statement of what you're talking about. There's an episode of the 1960s version of Dragnet. And this, this late and this, this lady's kids in trouble. And her comment was, nobody knows everybody. The first thing question you ask when living in Los Angeles is where are you from? Basically it it was a literary way of saying there's no community. Nobody, their neighbors don't know each other. Do you think that's part of the problem? Like, you know, like back in the day, if, if your neighbor needed bread, you'd give them bread. Well, so even in the period of time I grew up to the, to a degree, uh, the policy was good fences, make good neighbors. Um, you know, really, I mean, I living in an apartment building for the most part, especially, you know, if it was an apartment building bigger than four units, you know, you didn't really know, know the, the guy above you or the person below you or the people you, you really didn't know. And this guy was a trombone player, right? In the exactly. middle of the night. He joined in. But that, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but no, I mean, that was my experience. And the fact was that I didn't really want to know him. So, right. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Look, I live in like a little four banger apartment kind of deal. It's not like a like a big complex right. or anything. It's just four apartments. Right. Um, I I'm friendly with my neighbors, but I am not friends with my neighbors, and I I don't want to be. Right. You know, it's right. um, very much the good fences make good neighbors. <clears throat> hey, knock on my door if you need a hand moving something up the stairs. You need to borrow a cup of sugar. I'm your guy. You know th- those kinds of simple things. But I don't want to have any expectations of my neighbors, and I don't want them to have any of me. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to go home to my place and, and kick back and worry about my shit, not what my neighbors are doing. 
you know, let them handle their own goddamn life. Yeah, you don't want them. <laughs> they don't want you. You know, I don't want you in my business, buddy. I mean, you know, mind your own business and stay out of mine. Right. And, and you know, honestly, going back to, to what were you saying? Like, like if it was worse, I think that if it was worse, we would have done a lot better. I think we would have taken it a lot more seriously. There would have been a lot less people bucking the system. It would have given us that common enemy, you know. Um, and maybe I, I think you know, like, and I don't even necessarily mean like like if Trump didn't downplay because obviously the the admitted oh I was trying to make it sound less than it was obviously did some fucking damage um, uh, even in the way that they that they handled it and handled like sort of the this slow half-assed rollout that they were doing if if it was actually worse though like it actually was this this crazy thing this ebola type type thing that just really scared the shit out of people well it still um, has it still has a really good chance of being like the 1918 pandemic where the summertime was groovy the winter time was killer so don't don't yeah. count your chi- don't well, count your chickens before it hatches. It so, still has a chance to come back and be brutal. Well, and that's the thing is that because of the half-assed rollout that everybody did, a um, mm. couple of states before others, but then not really. It was like the hey, safer at home. And look, and I, I'm I'm right there on the side of people where you can't have the government all of a sudden just just flippantly taking away your freedoms. Um, but if that's what I'm saying, if it was worse, if it was something to be you be concerned about for everybody like if you catch this you will die we would have figured this shit out months ago because it would have been serious enough i think you're underestimating people to be honest oh no i don't i don't think so i i think they did most uh, not enough people had the overwhelming sense of um self-preservation if everybody all of a sudden had that self-preservation, we would have figured out our own shit. The majority of us would have done it, and we would have been a lot more sympathetic to the folks who who weren't able to kind of figure it out and needed a little bit of help and you know those sorts of things. Like like oh hey man, if like if this shit was really deadly and math stopped it, and I saw somebody without one, I would like want to take them out of the storm and be like, buddy, let's get you a mask right now, man. I can't you know like I can't just just see you as a citizen dying. You know, <clears throat> that, that brings up another point. And because this pan, a pandemic, either at this level or greater, has been predicted for a very long time. Yeah. And yet we were uh, once again caught flat footed with not having stocks of uh, protection equipment, uh, M95s, right? And uh, uh, regular masks and gloves and gowns. Well, and and what, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there with with a couple of previous administrations actually like like these plans set up or or being set up, and then it was just kind of dissolved. Like, okay, we don't need to spend money on this bullshit. Yeah, probably. It's, it, it's you the, may be right. I don't. We would have to look at it, but it would not surprise me. It's it's the long term planning versus short term expedience, which at least in modern times has been the history, at least of California, where long term planning goes out the window with a, when there's a short term f- issue. The only thing, yeah, well, that, that may be. So if we were to look at <laughs> getting prepared for nuclear attacks, psh, like anybody could survive that, right? But I mean, the government—the the government was all in for everything. I mean, you know, there were safety shelters everywhere. There were signs everywhere. The, every student in school was being taught to cut, cut, cut duck, duck and cover. cover. Yeah, 
that, right. right? Like that was going to do do any good, <laughs> you know, and, and and all this stuff that was completely ludicrous. But yet the whole country was in, and lucky enough that never happened. But it seems yeah. Well, like, look, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it just seems like so different for uh, something that we knew was going to happen. The scientists are saying it's going to happen. We're going to have a pandemic. It's going to happen, and we just okay, fine. Well. We'll yeah. wait till it happens, right? And- I, I thought of a, a good analogy for the, it, I think people would be better if this shit was a lot worse. If you're driving, anybody who ever lived in, in, in like a really fucked up snowy area, I mean, that just drops feet of snow overnight. Montana. Kind of place. Yeah, if you ever lived in Montana, Wisconsin, North Dakota, I mean, you know, any, any just frigid fucking place. Um, if you see a light snow on the ground, and you're in a Walmart parking lot and there's that one asshole who just can't seem to figure out how to <clears> stop spinning his tires and he's bouncing off a couple of cars, most people are going to stand there and laugh at that guy. Ha, ah, look at this dick, he can't drive his car. You get to any place where there's like, like, hey, it was 80 degrees yesterday, now it's minus 20 and there's two feet of snow and there's a woman trapped in this embankment her car is buried in snow. Somebody will stop and dig that lady out, even at the risk of their own safety, because you can't in good conscience drive by that shit. You see somebody broke down. You know that if you leave them there, they might freeze to death. And I think most people right. have that good enough conscience. You know, hey, we're going to stand back when it's funny. Oh, you got the sniffles, you little bitch, because you couldn't wear a mask. Ha ha. You know what I mean? Like, but if it's like, oh, fuck, you didn't wear it. You couldn't get a mask. And therefore, you and your family died. I couldn't walk by somebody without a mask if I knew that was a possibility. Now, I, I'm okay. going to bring a little bit of politics into this, and I just mean a little bit. Do you think... <laughs> I'll bring more. But, Do we have well, a no, creaky here's... door sound? I want a creaky door sound. <laughs> I, the closest I have is this. So here's the, the honest question. Do you think people would be able to get past their political position and actually help their neighbor and I, yeah. I, I see that makes yeah, me cause you, it, would, it humanizes people you know what i mean like life and death is 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 the most humanizing thing i i uh, truly hope and i honestly admit this i really hope that's so true so let's look at a small microcosm of of this possibility let's say uh, or, or go back and look at the, the the last major earthquake that happened in, in la where you know the freeways were shut down no apartment building uh, you know apartment buildings were flattened uh, uh you, you know the whole thing it was just all the infrastructure was you know pretty much come to a stop and i think we saw neighbors helping neighbors there more than we would have had in at any other time i mean you know if people were trapped in cars there was 15 people trying to get that person out of the car right you know uh the, the same thing that happened up in 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 uh, San Francisco area when the Bay Bridge collapsed oh, yeah. and, and uh, part, of, part of it collapsed and all these cars were piled up in to- on top of each other and everybody was out there trying to help people get out of cars and help them out and it didn't matter what color you were, it didn't matter what race you were, it didn't matter what your pol- politics were. Yeah, everybody there was, was something more important to, to think about at that time. So that's and the that's good- the problem when you boil somebody down, uh, an actual human being, to to what they believe in. You're not you as a as a human being, Rob or John or James. You're you're what you believe, and I don't like what you believe. Therefore, I don't like you. Right. 
you know, but something comes around and it reminds you like, 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 oh no, like this is a person standing in front of me that I can do something to help. I, I've got to do it there. You don't even, it doesn't even cross your mind what their political or, oh, yeah. or what has you to care about. less. Right. You just jump in and, and, and you do what you can. And so that's, that's the human side of us. I mean, the, 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 the good human side, I guess I should say. I, I truly hope that, that, that's still a thing and we haven't gone so far to to the side of you know you all you are is a you're a, pol, a political position first and a person second because that's that so, was that's the one thing that's made me incredibly heartbroken about modern america is how polarized you are because instead of being oh you're a human oh no you're you're a democrat you're this it's like it's really yeah. disheartening well, uh, you know, it's it's difference between if you know the person, you don't know the person. Let, let me yep. give you, let me you know let me tell you an experience that happened to me while I was going to college. I decided it was a great idea. I moved into this new apartment complex. I think it was uh, thirty units, and uh, the owner of the property gave me a deal. He says, "Tell you what, you be the the onsite <coughs> manager for this <coughs> complex, and I'll give you rent at like a quarter or whatever it was." I was a starving college student. Narc. It was like you know, it was like. Dude, man, I'm gonna do it right now. I'll, be, I'll sign up for this gig. I can do it. Yeah, man. And then, and then, and then, the reality of the job hit. Where, oh, by the way, you've got to collect rents from unit four, five, fifteen, thirty, twenty-eight, and they're all behind, and you have to get that rent now, right? And 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 so here you are, right? This 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 nineteen twenty-year-old yeah, college yeah. student managing this apartment building, knocking on doors, asking for money. And I remember one of the big eye openers was, trust me, this, anybody that's had this job will tell you that you've lost all faith in humanity because people are just terrible. Uh, you, you, know. you had to be a margin manager well, for an apartment building. I had to work at Walmart. I, I mean, how do you, I mean, I knock on the door and, you know, and here's this poor lady with, you know, three kids and she, you know, she's trying to hold a single parent trying to hold it all together. She can barely feed the kids. And I'm sitting there saying, well, you got to pay the rent or you got to, you know, move. And it's like, I didn't last very long at the job because it just finally got to me. I mean, it was, and, you know, and that knocking on doors scared the hell out of me anyway, because you never knew who was going to answer. That's, that's, yeah, no that, shit, that's right. probably why they stereotypically always have like the old, old person who doesn't like anybody. You know, there was always some sort of grouch who just doesn't give a shit. You know, I, you well, that's be what you become. You become, I wasn't going to become that person, but that's unfortunately what you have to become. You have to care less. Listen, I've heard this whining and sniv sniveling excuse all along. You know, you've got uh, 15 days to come up with it or you're out. And, and, and it's like, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many like probation officers or parole officers got into it thinking like, man, I'm going to make a difference in these people's lives and become just the most <laughs> jaded fucking person exactly. that can possibly exist I, after like six I months. Think quite a few actually. Yeah, I no, actually it's have not a, uncommon. Parole, I, oh, I would love to meet the. I actually I would love to meet the wide, the, the wild-eyed, idealistic. 20 year old i actually have a, know, i have a story out of college <laughs> i actually have a story regarding that i was always because i grew up watching adam 12 and dragnet all these old school cop shows always vaguely wanted to be a cop because i like helping people and that figured out it's like oh that seems like a good career i get to help people had a, a family friend 
who was a sheriff's officer, take me aside one day and he said, hey, I can ask you a question. Are you really interested in, in helping, you know, being a cop? I said, yeah, it sounds fun. It's like, so let me, let me give you some advice. How many people do you actually think I see that need help? I said, well, most of them, none of them. He said, all the people I see, I don't want to, they don't need my help. <laughs> he said, you know, they're, they're all arrestees, you know, are trustees of modern chemistry. They're all the dregs of society that, that I'm helping society. And I'm really putting it nicely in the way he told me it. And he said, being a cop isn't about helping people. It's about remove, you know, enforcing laws, removing the people who have broken laws. And he said, you do help people from time to time, but that's not what the job entails. And yeah, the, the, the I, the only, I would imagine like, like being able to help people like I help, help not be, Oh, I'm helping this person by getting them away from the place where they can do crime or harm or and, drugs or whatever. And if, and if there but was like actually helping people. And if there's ever a guy that was a perfect law enforcement officer, it was this particular gentleman. I mean, if you, you, if you met him, you'd be like, only because he loved to fuck with people. Pretty much. All right, so that was that was his thing in life. If I can mess with this person, I'm going to mess with. But him he he literally legitimately took me aside and said, "Look, I don't help. I cannot help people. I'm arresting people. They, you know, and that's when I decided, like, I'm. It wouldn't do me any good. I'd turn into the guy that you know Rob was talking about. I'd be a jaded asshole. It's one of the reasons I had to quit some of the retail jobs I've had is because people turn you into that. Is because they realize, um, I learned in retail fairly early on, there's a saying that if you work retail long enough, those who bitch the most get the most. And it's 100% true. Any manager will break any rule the store has just to get the fucker to leave. Yeah, because you've heard it so many times, you don't want to hear it anymore and just get out of my face. And the guy will come back the next day and the next day or the next week and the next month and they get away with it. So, Well, you know, it takes... Special personalities to do certain things, and law enforcement is one of them. Oh, 100%. I, oh. I, just, I just wish you could be wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and actually make a difference instead of realizing, well, fuck, my only job is arresting people well, who don't want to be arrested. <laughs> but, he, you know, because here's the thing is that, that um, like, okay, for example, I got my car stolen a, a long time ago, and I called the cops to make a report. <laughs> they, they sent, like, you know, like the junior officer and whatnot. You know, so you, you don't even get those calls as far as like the, oh, I want to help this person, you know, would do, do whatever. The normal regular people are the ones who never have interactions with the cops, you know, <laughs> and, and we're also the ones that are, that are grateful. Yes. I'm putting myself in the normal category. Uh, shut up. <laughs> but um, We're also the ones who are, are happy that they're, that they're out there, but don't necessarily have the interactions to, to express our gratitude all the time, you know? So they have a disproportionate amount of people who don't want to see them because that's what they're called for. Um, What's well, like the TV show cops. The only person the cops ever see is a guy with his pants down and a wife beater. I mean, yeah. and, and, and that's, and it's usually some methed out white dude in Arkansas somewhere. So I, 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 I totally understand. And you're a hundred percent right. You know, I swear to you, man, like the last few years, I've actually had fantasies. The weirdest fucking thing in my adult life, aside from starting to like people's front yards, I become obsessed with like really nice grass. Don't don't get me started. <laughs> don't live where I live. Yeah, um, but I've I've had fantasies about getting pulled over by the cops just so I can be nice to them, <laughs> just so I can be like a better part of their day. 
So the the last time okay. the last time I was pulled over, I actually did what they pulled me over for. I was going to lie, and the cop cop said, "Son, do you know why I pulled you over?" And I said, "Obviously, I did it, officer. You pulled you know you you pulled me over." And he looked at me, going, oh, "I just had to do the ticket." All right, I'll give a story. I want. Yeah, I, I, I got a story for you. His story is right. probably better than mine. Last He's time older. I got a speeding ticket, but you have to go back to like nineteen eighty. One. Been a long Do-do-do. time, right? I was commuting a long distance on the 405 every day, back and forth. And hey, if you live down in Southern California, you know the fact that, uh, and back in, the, in 1980, the speed limit was 55 miles an hour, right? Yeah, for those of you not local to Los Angeles County, the 405 runs basically up into the, the rich hills. Um, of like Beverly Hills area straight down the coastline into like like LAX and the hood. Right. But it is notoriously the worst freeway in Los Angeles County. Thank you for the traffic <laughs> report, Commander Bill. <laughs> it, it, it's a terrible. But you no, know, really, it is objectively the worst freeway in LA. You know what? And I'm sure in worse. the 38 <laughs> years, it's much worse now. So I have no doubt about that. But it was pretty bad at that, that time also. And, and also, you know, 55 miles an hour speed limit. No, nobody ever, 50, who's no, going to go 55, no. right? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, if, you, if you're there at that right time in that pocket. So you're in a pocket of guys, of cars all going about, you know, 65, 70 miles an hour. And I, I'm in this pocket and I'm, you know, ready. I got to get to work. And I'm, you know, the whole, the whole thing that you have to do, get yourself in the mindset to get in that car, to drive on that freeway, drinking to his get co- to work. Drinking his coffee, smoking a <laughs> cigarette. Whatever, right? And, and so I'm trugging along in this thing and I'm watching behind me and I see this CHP black and white zigging and zagging and zipping. And, you know, people, some people are putting in their lights, some are still going. And he, he must've passed 15 cars, maybe 20 cars. And he comes up behind me, turns on the lights. All right. I pull over and, you know, and he, and he comes up to me. And I, you know, and he said, you know, it, it was the, uh, I didn't even, we didn't even have to exchange anything verbally because at that point, you know, all right, I knew I was doing wrong. I handed him my license and registration. And I don't think we said two words. He walked back, wrote the ticket, came back, wrote, you know, gave me the ticket sign here. I signed it. And I said, just out of curiosity, you passed about 20 other cars going the same speed limit as I was going. Why me? Because I wanted to know if I had a big, big, right? I wanted to know if I had a big sticker in the back of my car that he didn't like. Uh, Was it the make of vehicle? What was it, right? And you know what he turned around and said to me? He said, because it's your fucking turn. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? To me, that that is is an acceptable answer. Like, hey, you know what? I mean, what do you say? I mean, it was like, okay. So it wasn't the bad yep. cops, no donut sticker. Yeah, no, it had nothing to do with that, right? <laughs> it was just uh, he was hundred percent honest. I mean, that's about as truthful as you can get. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually got a, a half a smile out of a cop uh, uh, not that long ago. Um, I, I drive around for, for work in the middle of the night every now and again, so I'll be pulling out of some warehouse, and I'm just the only guy on the road. So the cops. Maybe even bored, maybe even just like, like, oh, hey, yeah. what are you doing over here? Are you case gotta the neighborhood? Take gotta, look. gotta take a look. Gotta take a look. Um, I, I got a good smile. I always do the same thing. I'll roll down all my windows if I have any uh, that I can roll down. I'll turn on all the interior lights. 
and keep my hands on the wheel. So from like 15 feet away from the bumper, you can pretty much see, okay, this guy ain't a threat. I can walk up here a, at least a little bit more calm than I would yeah. not know. Yeah. Did the cop ever give um, the, the sniff test though? No, he, you know, you're not oh, I, that's, that's definitely hiding stuff, I you know, you know the, all the obvi- obvious chicken and stuff that's going on inside the car. Sir, do you have any dead yeah. bodies in your car? Right. Only if you knew. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I try to, to, to have, like, my license and my registration in Already my left hand, you know. Yeah, yeah. so if yeah. the guy walks up and, you know, he's like, uh, take my stuff, and he's like, you know, why, well, you know why I stop you? And I was like, no, but I trust your judgment. <laughs> and he just kind of gave a good smile. He's like. Wow, that's 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 brave, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. And he's like, oh no, you know, it's just you know, three o'clock in the morning. You know, you're pulling out of here just yeah. to check you know, to make sure. I'm like, oh, you know what, man? I you know, I told him what I did and what I was there for. He's like, I right, get the fuck out of here. You know? Just just yeah. once, I want a cop to hear you hear a story to ask cops if you know, joking, you have any bodies in the car, and you'll just be like, well, technically. <laughs> well, so the 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 one. That, that I probably tell most often because it was the weirdest and, and nuttiest. Uh, we, we, we go to p- pick up this guy. I've, I've worked for a mortuary. Anybody who doesn't know, um, that shall remain nameless because the shit I'm about to talk about this dead guy. Uh, <laughs> no names are we, in this. We, we, yeah. We'll, be, we'll, we, we we'll go beep it to, out. We go to pick up what they call in the biz a decom. Um, which is short for decomp- decomposed body. Somebody's uh, got to watch CSI out there. Come on. You, you know oh, the terms. Oh, I'm sure it's a yeah. ubiquitous term nowadays. It kind of stinks. Um, it, it, so this guy, <laughs> unlike... It's like San Francisco in the summer. I, I've been doing this for quite a while. I've got a pretty good gauge, you know, a uh, 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 measuring stick that most yeah, people don't have. Um, <laughs> I, I have the most non-existent gag. I mean, look, it is still going to hit me. I still notice. <laughs> However, I can just keep it together better than most people. You know, um, it still sucks as bad as for me as it would for you if you were standing there, but you might lose it a little quicker than me. This guy though, I, I walk in and, and he was covered in a sheet and I pulled the sheet off and that smell wafted up at me and I made a beeline for the back door. <laughs> Um, first time I, I'd ever done that. Actually, the only time since that I've ever really actually had to say, if I don't go outside right now, I'm going to yak on this guy. Because <laughs> um, here's the thing is a lot of the times you're doing this in front of like the guy's family. Right. So you can't have this like, oh, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Look on your face. You, you got to kind of be like, oh, you know what? Listen, hon, these things happen. It's okay. You don't want the family to be embarrassed about, you know, the, the state of their their person if they're around so you, so you get used to kind of just keeping those sorts of thoughts and facial expressions to yourself even though in your mind you're just like oh my god wait wait um, did, did you just say listen hun what are you a 50 year old female smoker <laughs> oh no i, I turned I like 30 and realized i can call people hun in certain contexts <laughs> um and i and i abuse that that it's, it's a good um, thing you're wearing what, what do they call those those the uh, tight jeans as long as you're yeah. not talking well, to a here, coworker. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. yeah here's right? the thing. I, I'm not. I don't want to be the stereotypical Adams family mortician guy <laughs> that shows up in a jet black suit and creeps everybody out. <laughs> I, I kind of lean the other direction and just be like, like, hey, look, he we're all kind of regular people. Yeah, he's he's um, reality is he shows up in 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 like the Ronald McDonald wig. He got the shoes. <laughs> I mean. Nah, no, I he's see a half game Michael C. Hall character. 
Yeah, no, I'm not quite Patch Adams of the funeral business, you know what I mean? But I, I would try to do that before I tried to do, like, the super somber, almost more sad than the family kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, those people weird me out when the family is like, oh, hey, listen, mom was 95, it's all good. And the guy's like, I'm so sorry. You're like, all right, man, dial it back, bro. It's, we're good, it was man. so it's unexpected, sir. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't be, I can't imagine how devastated you are. You're like, we saw this coming, dude. Relax. <laughs> um, anyway, we we pick up this dude. It takes me like another four or five times in and out of this, this guy's house. And he was a big feller. He, he, he had to have been about, I, I don't know, knocking on 300 door for sure. <laughs> um but here's the thing is it's, it, that's not that big, especially when it's me and another guy. So it was mostly about the state of him where you're, and at the time actually I was wearing like a suit. Um, and doing that particular job in a suit, you know, your average little old lady at her home, not a big deal, nothing to worry about. But then this guy, on the other hand, you're, you're like, okay, I want shoe covers. I want a full gown hazmat suit but you don't have any of that you're just like okay i'm gonna try to keep my feet back so as to not ruin my shoes and not let anything touch me above the wrist so you you're in one of like the stereotypical like three-piece suit uh i don't think i was rocking a vest at the time but you know definitely shirt and tie and, and a coat and then slacks and shoes you know very respectable um, I always went with restaurant style shoes though, because that waffle bottom, you need that traction. You can't <laughs> Crocs. Yeah. Somehow I, I just don't you see. You can't go with Crocs. dress shoes. Or heart yet. dress shoes, you're gonna eat shit. And if you eat shit in what I was staring at this day, you're gonna <laughs> you're just gonna kill yourself. Oh that's you just, would kill yourself before you got to the shower. Your um, face first in a rather pungent situation. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, to make a long story short, Too late. we finally get this guy. I know. Uh, finally get this guy in the van, and we were driving a, a, a big Astro van, like an old sort of late '90s piece of shit beat up Astro van. Free um, candy which van. Most people would I either lovingly refer to as the candy van, the rape van, the murder van. It just looked like that that serial killer van. So, um, it was probably mid-October, I want to say, or at least that's, it was sometime during the winter months, freezing ass cold, middle of the night. It was so bad smelling in the van. And actually, I made the mistake of unloading this can of Axe that I had right there because I'm a, I'm a smoker and I, you know, usually give myself like a little quick blast of not tobacco smell before <laughs> running into but, somebody's house. The, the, dubi the dubious choice was Axe body spray. Well, it was just the quick, like, hey, I just need something to not smell like marble reds right now. I've literally um, had somebody tell me that body oat, like a decomp, would be better than Dax body spray. Well, so here's the thing, is when I unloaded this axe in the back there, it, it mixed with it and became this third thing. <laughs> it was neither axe nor dead guy. Level 5 it biohazard. Became, it was fucking weaponized, dude. I'm <laughs> no. not kidding. So me and my buddy... It's three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> driving down an empty freeway in a, in a, in a rape van with our heads sticking out of either side, like Ace Ventura with a smash windshield. <laughs> it was Talking just the gun. most after uh. to get pulled over fucking scene. If you pulled up behind this, you're like, there's no way I can't stop this guy. I, I at, least one, at least one another story. Cause 
for suspicion all day long with this. What is going on here? So we get we get pulled. I just the whole van lights up red and blue, and I'm like, the fuck is that? And I'm like, oh shit, we're getting pulled up. <laughs> and I just looked at my buddy. I'm like, dude, this is gonna be this is gonna be good. <laughs> I, I couldn't roll down the windows in this old Astro van. I only had the two, the driver and the passenger. And uh, but I but I kicked the lights on, and they're all blasted tinted windows. You can't see shit even with the lights on. Um, this guy, uh, anybody who's ever been pulled over knows how they'll kind of pull up behind you, but a little bit staggered off to the left, you know, so as to put the headlight right in your mirror. You know what I mean? It's 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 to well, kind of line up with a little bit of a tactical advantage, and or the spotlight um, that they put into your and mirror. yeah, the floodlight right. and, and and all of that. But right. um, and then they'll walk up sort of parallel, a couple of feet off to the side of your car, and this guy gets up to about the bumper, <laughs> and I'm watching him, sort of his dark shadow in my side view mirror, and I'm just I'm waiting for. I figured he was going to get up to the window and be like, "What the fuck, man?" Um, Everybody out, but he. He basically stopped at the bumper. I'm watching him walk up, and he freezes. And there's nobody else on the highway at the time. We're on the side of the freeway, but it was empty. Um, he stops at the bumper, and he kind of cocks his head to the side like a curious dog trying to figure something out. <laughs> and he just he sidestepped left, sort of half pulled his gun out of the out of the, or at least unsnapped his holster. Yeah, he knows what decom spells like, so he knows you and got he, a body in there. Yeah. And he throws like the knife hand out at me and he just he started swinging out wide, starts to kind of kind of cut the pie a little bit and just starts yelling hands on the dash. Oh, and I'm like, "Ah, fuck, man." And I just I throw my hands as far up onto the dash as I can. And this dude kind of walks over sort of like like half gun on his hip but he's sort of like leaning off in to try to try to get a peek on me and he gets a little closer he's like what 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 the fuck is that man what is going on here and i just started blurting out i'm like sir we're with mortuary removal personnel we just came from a residence where there was a decomp there was officers standing by you might have even heard the call on the radio and you see the guy kind of freeze and, and he and he looking side to side and he just kind of goes Oh, Jesus, man. And he kind of tucks his gun back down. <laughs> and he's like, man, oh, my God, dude. I didn't. I just assumed you were some serial killer out here. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I just fucking smelled death. Please get go. Just go. Just go. <laughs> and I just gave this dude the quickest thumbs up, started this junky piece of shit, and just was like, thanks, man, later. <laughs> But the look on this dude's face was like, I think I just came across like some movie shit right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't know what's yeah, going helter on. Helter Skelter, man. <laughs> for got... real, yeah. I've got Dahmer. I, I like he didn't know whether to call back up. I mean, the old saying didn't know whether to shit or go blind. Right, right. This this guy's just trying to figure it out. And that was the story of how Ryan That's stunk up story. the 405. And just imagine him going back to the station that night telling the story. Man, you won't believe what this van I walked up on. My yeah, no uh, kidding. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> good that's, story. That's good the story. best sto law enforcement story I've heard in a long time. I got. I one. did get pulled over twice by the same uh, the same cops uh, real quick. Um, <laughs> we get pulled over. I can't even remember what it was for, but they realized we were transporting a dead guy, and they're like, Dad, don't worry about it. Just get the fuck out of here. Go to the mortuary. <laughs> Two and a half minutes down the road, I get lit up again. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> 
the guy comes up and he's like, "Hey, listen, I'm I'm with a a, a rookie. He's never seen a dead body oh, before. No. Do you mind? Oh no, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm like, I don't mind at all. Bring this dude on over. We just opened up the side of the van and whatnot. We're just like, like, oh, you, you've never never seen this before. And you see the guy all like, you know, 22 years old and nervous and blonde. It's like, yeah, amazing. man, look, there's a there's a dead guy. You know. <laughs> okay, what a story. That's a good one. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, none hmm. of my stories even remotely. Those those are pretty good. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I got those for days. I just most people don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> That's good. Well, That's cons- pretty funny. Considering at least three out of four of us have a considerably dark sense of humor. I mean, you need to, you need to give up the stories more often. Yeah, it's good. Oh yeah, remind me. I had to tell you how we got a five hundred pound dude off a boat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll that, be for next week's show. That reminds me, that's like one of those stories that said, and then we had tequila. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you ever have any pet peeves? Just pet peeves. I got I got a new pet peeve. People who don't use their blinker. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, so there you go. So you got a pet peeve. I, I've got one that's more, less visceral, more related to, okay, I got um, Amazon Prime. So I got Amazon Prime video. And, you know, I've been, it's been hard to find good stuff to really watch, I think. I don't know. I've been watching a lot of older sci-fi Firefly and watching it all Firefly again. Nice. But, you know, I, so what bothers me is that the, the Amazon Prime video is leading you into this thing's going, new episodes coming, and I see The Expanse. And I, I love The Expanse. It's a good, good series. I don't know if you guys watched it or not, but. Good, good sci-fi show. New series, uh, new, new, new episodes. I'm going shit. New episodes. You got to be kidding me. There's going to be new episodes of the Expanse. Only to find out that it's new to Amazon Prime. It's not new <laughs> yeah. episodes, right? And that fucking pisses me off. What's technically it's like? Not, yeah. It's not a lie. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's new to Amazon. Oh, great. So now you can't trust anything that says new episodes coming or new, you know, new seasons, new seasons to Hulu, new seasons to, yeah. you know, uh, Epic, new season to whatever it may be. And it's just like, you, you just can't believe stuff anymore. So, I, so I've got a good pet peeve. So if, if anybody doesn't know, the old guys. My dad. And the reason why I think this is funny is the family motto is quite literally question everything. And so him saying that outside just makes me laugh because I remember growing up pissing teachers off. It's like, well, my dad says question everything. Yep. No, so I'm, I, I'm sorry. The, the, I, I find it rather amusing. Uh, I just... It, it just really pissed me off today because I was really, <laughs> I was having one of those days. I was just, and I, I just wanted to chill out and watch some, you know, whatever. And it turned out to be okay because I just watched more episodes of Firefly. And you, there's combat. It is a terrific show. Yeah, good show. Uh, it, you know what? Actually, I don't know if I, if you guys have, um, uh, any of you guys have HBO, but um, I've been really enjoying Lovecraft Country. What? Say Love, that again? Lovecraft something. Uh, Love? Lovecraft Country. Oh, Love oh. Country. Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet. <clears throat> it is wonderful so far. Hmm. <clears throat> um, it's uh, like sort of co-produced by Jordan Peele, um, the of Key and Peele, and um, did you know Get Out and uh, I can't remember the other one, Us, I think, something like that. 
Um, any case, it's a obviously based on H.P. Lovecraft sort of type of, of, of horror sci-fi. Right. Um, but with the most, like, it, it takes place in, in sort of the, the early 50s um, and has a lot to do with, like, race relations of the early 50s in, like, like you know, black neighborhoods and, and things like that. But, uh, yeah, if you guys get a chance, I, I would recommend that one. So we're we're pretty much over. So I'm going to leave you this with the most with probably the randomest headline I have run into today. The best sports bras use non-Newtonian fluid. <laughs> and with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, for the California pariah, for the fat man, for who the fuck is this Preston and the old guy? As always, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye.